We are going to talk about Thanksgiving, and I think you'll enjoy that. 1 Thessalonians 5. And there's something that, because it's, you know, it's not just the time of the year, but this has been a, a standard for me since the day I got saved. And I'm going to get Justin in a minute to show you a picture. Justin, not, not in a hurry. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's start with verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench or grieve the Spirit. I, I, a sermon tonight is called An Attitude of Gratitude. And um, it's, it's nice to be around people who, who, have, who, who have a good attitude. I, I, I mean, really, all honestly, I think some people are prophets of their own doom. They, they want to tell everybody their problems so much that they drive all their friends off. And I'm not saying that you don't have problems. We, we all have them. But sometimes I need you to think about this. There's, well, let me say it another this way, and I think you'll get it. When I was going to Rainbow, Brother Hagen told us the story of the two buckets. And, and it's, it's a silly story, but it's true. It's, 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 it's something you need to think about. There's two buckets in a well, and one of them, you know, and as you're cranking, one goes down, the other one comes up. As you're cranking the other way, the other one goes down, and one comes up. Well, one, one bucket was always grumpy. I mean, he's just grumpy all the time. He's just grumpy. And, and there's another bucket was always happy. And so the happy bucket looked at the grumpy bucket and said, what's wrong with you? Well, what's your deal? He said, well, I'm going to tell you something. We're in this well, and every time I go up, I know I'm going back down. And the other bucket said, well, I think the other way around. I just think it's the other way. Every time I go down, I know I'm coming back up. <laughs> One's happy, and this, this may be difficult for us to grab a hold of. Circumstances are not controlling your face. You're controlling your face. And I tried to find the quote, and I couldn't even think of the guy's name. Some of y'all may tell me. It was some guy named Wankel, or it was a Jewish guy in a prison camp, and he, and during a Nazi prison camp. And he said, the last great um, freedom we have is the freedom to choose our own attitude. And he decided to be full of joy even in a Nazi prison camp. Now, you think about that for a minute, because you and I, all of us have been in circumstances. And I'll tell you something, when you travel, I've traveled around the world. I've been, to, I've been to 20 nations. I've been to Siberia. I've been to the North Pole. You, at the North Pole, you can spit, and it will turn to ice before it hits the ground. I just thought y'all wouldn't know that. <laughs> a little trivia there. I, I was preaching in a, in a, in a building there, and, and they turned the heat on in the city. You don't, you don't have, they don't regulate it in your house. The city turns it on. If y'all want socialism, I'll tell you, you don't, you don't really want it. Anyway, and so when it's fall, it's not really 60 degrees below zero yet. It's only like 20 degrees above zero. And they got to open all the windows in the house to keep you from the heat from killing you. So I'm standing there preaching in a building and my right side is hot as blazes and my left side is freezing because the window's right there. It's 20 degrees right there. So every once in a while, I turn a little bit like this and preach. And I turn like this, just like I was at a fire, you know, and just kind of warm my touche a little bit and then turn back. And I had to because it's, it's, it's crazy. It's so cold. But I've preached in, in, in the North Pole, preached in Siberia, preached in India, preached in Africa. I got chased by a water buffalo back to my car. They told me not to get out, but I, my camera wouldn't take a picture. It's too far away. So I, I went and found him and he decided he wanted his picture taken. So real, real live, real live. I dove into the car and he sped off. I mean, just like in the Indiana Jones movie. But, um, but anyway, and then, then, then when I decided to get out and take a picture of the lion, he told me, he says, you get out of this car, I'll kill you. <laughs> so um, preached in Africa, preached in um, Venezuela, and preached um, Caracas and Maracaibo, and preached in Mexico, and preached in the Bahamas. Now, that's, now that's a vacation. That's fun. Shoot a lobster. And, and preaching the gospel, that's Jesus. In case y'all didn't know that. I ate lobster every day. And um, 
it was a lot of fun. So I've been all over the world, and here's the thing that I found. This may shock you. Some of the happiest people I've ever met were poor. In Haiti, when you watch children who are excited because they have a ball. And you come to America and kids are whining because they didn't get their 10 toys. You know, you want to slap somebody. Go, Let me tell you something, little punk. I'll take you to Haiti and we'll teach you something about gratitude. You know, and um, that was in the island of Laganav. Um, went over there and found it. There's no, y'all ever been, there's no trees on Laganav. You ever notice that? They ain't no trees anywhere on Laganav. They cut them all down for firewood. Now there's nothing there. Fish. They eat fish, breakfast, lunch, and supper. So I've been to different countries, and um, it, it's amazing how happy and full of gratitude people are that don't have enough sense to know they don't have anything. And you come home. I had a hard time coming home and preaching to people who take what they have for granted. It was very, very difficult. And, and for a while, I would come to home, and I'd go, man, I, I got to go back, I got to go back. Oh, you preach in a church in, in uh, Russia, 500, 500 people in the building, 500 people get filled with the Holy Ghost all at once. Wham! Power of God hits. You come back to America, and, you know, it's, it's just not the same atmosphere because I think sometimes we've, we've gotten to where we've lost an attitude of gratitude. Are we, do we even know what we have, and are we thankful? So, so um, what causes an attitude of gratitude? Um, what causes it? I think it has to do with your perspective. And I think that all of your life, you need to remember where you came from and who you are. If you would, um, first, first Peter five, nine. He says, resist him, talking about the devil, steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers that are in the world. There, there's this attitude, you don't know what I'm going through, but, let me, but listen, I don't know anybody who hadn't been through stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody who hadn't been through stuff. And I think it's a matter of your perspective, because if you, if you think that what you're going through is, you know, is, is worthy of you just having a bad day all the time, then something needs to change inside of you. And, uh, and I'm going to drive for that tonight. I want to, I'm going to read something right here. Go to Romans chapter one while you were waiting. And um, I want to read something. And I'm glad that I... I left my book at home, so I stole this one, and I'm probably going to give it away. I want you to listen to this story. Seven years ago, several years ago, Trent and I took our children to Disney World. It's such a creative, exciting place for children with lots of rides and entertainment. It's quite expensive trip for a family. I thought it was funny. I saw a mother scolding and correcting her little boy for whining and complaining. The mother grabbed him firmly by the arm and said, I brought you here to have a good time. And you are going to have a good time. The mother commanded him to stop his complaining and whining and to get happy right now. She went on to explain to the boy why he was commanded to have fun. She says, I paid too much for this trip for you to be grouchy and complaining. It has taken us too long to get here for you to ruin it with your whining. And the little boy promptly dried up his tears, stopped whining, and enjoyed the rest of the trip. I laughed because I understood exactly how that mother felt. Now, how do you think God feels about us? All that he has done for us, think about this, all that he's done. I think sometimes we need to get a perspective on, on what happened to us in the new birth. Uh, go to Romans chapter 1, and let me read something here. Um, I'm going to start with 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. To everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is written to the just live by faith. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and suppression of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, now I'm going to read this and I want you to get this. 
we have this idea that there's people who don't know. You don't know anybody who doesn't know. No, you don't. You don't know anybody who doesn't know there's a God and doesn't know right from wrong. And, I, and I'll prove it to you. Go in their house and take their television and they'll start quoting scriptures to you. I don't care if they're a heathen. And then tell them a lie and they'll quote some more scriptures to you. It's amazing how you watch the politicians calling everyone names and they're worse. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, so I want you to read this. I'm going to read this because this is very funny. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them who God showed it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal Godhead, power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because although they knew God or they knew of God, they didn't glorify him, neither were they thankful. So here, here's what happens to society. We stop being thankful for what we got. And we start whining about what we don't have. Now, I want you to think about that. You open up your presents on Christmas morning. You got some kid sitting there crying. Or back to the Disney. Kid is whining. He's at Disney. He's at Disney. And he's whining. What? Ice cream or something. Just, just shut up, kid. You're at Disney. Because you can't see the forest for the trees. You have blessing all around you, and you're focusing on one little tiny thing that you don't seem to like today. That's, that's called an attitude of ungratitude. And it says that because of that, God has turned people over to a debased mind. Now, if you think about what happened to America, it's really a matter of the fact that people have just, just forgotten how to be appreciative of what we have. Now, honey, you ought to stop one day and just think about what you have. All right, we're going to go to one of them right now. Luke 10, Luke 10 now. What do I have to be happy about? You just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know who's going through with you. <laughs> Luke 10. You might be going through some stuff, but it might be you. Luke 10, 17, it says, um, and the 70 returned and said, Lord, even devils are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all of the power of the enemy. That's for, that's for us now. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. The spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice your name is written in heaven. I said this Sunday, and I want to say this again. Do you understand why, they, why the kings built pyramids? Do you know why they did that? Because they believed that if you buried them in that, it would get them to heaven. That was a lot of work. You know that every society that you go in the Hindus, they sit and hum all their life and try to find a state of nirvana so they can have eternal life. It's amazing what people are doing to get what you got. What you have may not mean anything to you right now, but it will when you die. Amen. Now, if y'all have never done it and you really want to have, if you're having a bad day, I want you to go get 23 minutes in hell and read it because it'll sure straighten your attitude up. And I want you to think about without the blood of Jesus, you were going. If you heard what I said, listen, if there is nothing good happening, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You might be having a bad day now, but this is not going to stay this way forever. Soon and very soon, we're all out of here. And when Jesus comes back, we're going to be caught up into glory and God is going to accept you because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to be with him forever and forever and forever. Hallelujah. And you just can't have a bad day sitting around thinking about that. All right, now let me, let me, let me read something to you because Ephesians chapter 2, 
Let's talk about eternal life for a minute because I, I, don't, I don't think we've ever, you know, we just kind of got this thing. Well, we're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. But the word eternal life is eternal zoe. And zoe, zoe is a word that means the, the, the nature of God. You have in you the nature of God. While you're there, Justin, pop something on the screen. We'll come back to this. Go to 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Just pop it on the screen. I want to read this before we we'll go back. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Look, look at this scripture. Therefore, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know what that means in the Greek? The Greek language? It means that you are new every day. Amen. You, you are living in eternal new. You, you, you might have been saved for 40 years, but this morning his mercies were new. His, it, you will every, for eternity, you will always be living in the brand new. Amen. You're always there. There's no time to where things are going to start getting mundane and boring. You, you, every day when you wake up, you have been made brand new all over again. You, your spirit man is constantly being made in the image of God and he is life. And he, there, in other words, there ain't no old Christians. That's powerful. You say, well, I remember when I got saved, it was awesome. I got saved this morning. I woke up and he went, good morning, it's new again. Yesterday's gone and everything's new. What? Let's start all over again. You, you know, you think you want to start all over again? Every day. Anyway, that's, that's eternal life. I don't think we've ever tapped what that word means. It's like we're going to well, live forever. What are we going to do? Eat three musketeers and sit around heaven and play harps? I don't think so. You ever think about it? Have you ever think about it? There, Jesse Duplantis said that every day he's going to show you something new forever. Amen. That'll mess your head up. You'll be going, Oh, are you serious? I have never seen that before. And it says the angels that are going around him have been doing it forever. And every time they come around, they see something new. You don't know it all. So if he's going to show you something new every day forever, that's incredible. You are not, there, there ain't nobody ever going to be bored. That's, that's awesome. And you have that in you now. We have eternal life. The very thing, I mean, I mean, if there was a book written years ago by Jean, D. Milsha Carradine, The Happiest People on Earth, anybody ought to be happy. It ought to be. We ought to be walking around going, whoo, glory, Amen. all the time. What are you, what are you, what are you hollering about? I'm saved. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to hell. Glory to God, I ain't going to hell when I die. Glory to God. And I won't be here in America with all this mess going on forever either. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. So having said that, Ephesians chapter 2, let's, let's start with verse 4. But God who's rich in his mercy because of his great love, great love, great love with which he loved us, when you were dead and made you alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved, raised you up together, made you sit together in Christ, so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. Forever, forever and forever and forever. And you are just getting started. You ain't even seen nothing yet. Not so with sinners. To the degree heaven is good, hell is bad. Or should I say to the degree that hell is bad, heaven's good. Because one's with God and one's without God. You know what hell is? It's without God. And some people are in, they go, oh, I'm living in hell now. Well, that's because you're not saved. <laughs> Look at verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's what? Gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. You didn't do anything. He handed it to you. I mean, if that ought to be your attitude of gratitude, you ought to just have attitude of gratitude. For I'm his workmanship created in Christ for good works that I should walk in them. Justin, pop that picture on the screen up there for me right now. Pop it up there. I'm going to show you all something. You know who that is? 
That's the first Christmas. I got, I got born again, November 16, 1975. See that shirt? That's the only shirt I owned. Those jeans, I don't know when the last time they were washed. That's the only pair of jeans I owned in the planet. Now you think I have an attitude of gratitude? And don't you ever forget where you came from. You, want, you know what he's done for me? That, that floor right there is concrete. There's no heat in that house. There's no air conditioner in that house. That's paneling like a mobile home on the walls. There's a hole in the bathroom in the ceiling where you can look at the stars at night, dead of winter. There's a pot-bellied wood stove in the kitchen to heat the house that goes out about an hour after you go to bed. If you've never lived like that, you might want to do it once just, just to get... Just to get excited about where you live. That, you, are you living like that now? Are you living like, I'm not living like that now. I don't have no pot-bellied wood stove that I'm in the house right now. And I ate today. I don't know whether you... Right then, I don't know. You know, that was when I made $83.30 a week. I don't make $83.30 a week now. But you understand that then, I couldn't afford a dime Pepsi. I, I never bought a Pepsi. I didn't have the money to buy a Pepsi. That was back in the days when I went out in the river and caught fish with my hands to eat. They make TV programs about it now, but it was illegal then. They'd put you in jail then. Don't you think about that, because that's, that's, that's Christmas Eve. I've been born again. If, if, if you can look at it, there's a cross around my neck my mother gave me. I had just gotten saved in that picture. Now, I, I don't know whether that stirs you up, and it stirs me up to sit and look at it and go, my God, you have been good to me. Has he been good? Has he been good? I'm, I'm not saying that I hadn't had problems. This is where we need to go tonight. I, I, I'm not, I've had, I've had problems, Jeannie. I know you hadn't, but I have had problems. But I'm going to tell you something. You've <laughs> come a long ways, baby. And he's good. See, I might have had problems, but he's good. Now, I read a scripture a while ago, says, in everything give thanks. He didn't say for it. He said in it. You need, you need to rejoice in the Lord. Not in, listen, nobody said everything's going good, but you rejoice in the Lord. You, every night from that day forward, right there, till now, 40-something years later, I go to bed and thank him for his goodness. Thank you. I used to, right after that picture, I'd lay in bed at night and I'd cry myself to sleep. Thank you that I'm not going to hell. Thank you I'm saved. Thank you you healed my body. Thank you for, for get, he got me a job. I'd got, by then I was starting to work at a fiberglass plant. Y'all know what it's like to work in a fiberglass? I was excited. I had a job. I finally had a job. I was thankful I had a place to get up and go. By this time, it wasn't but about a month after that, I got, God got me a pickup truck. 1965 Chevrolet pickup truck. The motor burned oil, the rear end was grinding, and the transmission jumped out of gear, and the bed had holes in it. You could throw something in the bed, it would fall on the ground. <laughs> a piece of junk. I paid $500 for that truck. I'm going to tell you a story right now. I'm going to tell you a story because I want you to understand the process, what happened to me. So I get this truck. I'm excited to have this truck. And one day I got a tape by somebody and I started hearing about prayer. I could, I could actually pray. And God, see you, you and I have a right in the throne room of God. Thank you, Jesus. You can go in and get things that you didn't have before supernaturally. You have a right now you never had before. So it says we will enter his gates with thanksgiving, thanksgiving in our heart. See, some people hadn't been in a while because you hadn't been very thankful in a while. 
So I was thankful I had a truck and I would worship God and get excited about a truck. But one day right after this, right after this, I went to the Lord and I said, you know, I need some money. And I figured up all the things that I needed. I needed, um, I needed money for the fix the bed. I needed a transmission. You know, I had the old column on the stick, you know. Now, y'all don't know what I'm, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but some of these some of these young whippersnappers don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm explaining to you. You're driving down the road and you got it in first gear. You put your clutch, you know what the clutch is, and you go, boom, boom, boom. You stick it up on the column. It's called a three on a tree, and, and you better hold it because synchronizers were going to jump out of gear. Boom, boom, jump out. So I can't take my hand off the handle. So I'm driving down the road with my hand in second gear, and then by the time I dropped down to the third, synchronizer's working, it was staying gear, and I'm driving down the road. And it, and it didn't have a really good engine. It just kind of, oh, oh, oh. And you didn't drag race because nobody knew you were if you did because you didn't go very fast anyway. And all the time, the sm blowing smoke out of the back. Blowing smoke out of the back. But I was excited I had a truck. <laughs> so I went to the Lord and I said, I need $1,000. And I started pestering him. And he came to me and he said, son, let me, let me, I, I got a request. Don't ask me for the money. I'm not, I'm not your banker, I'm your dad. That was good news. He said, ask me for the things. Um, a man at the lumber yard gave me the lumber. A guy at the work gave me the bolts for the back. Um, uh, a, a friend of mine, Gray Bennett, I've got to try to remember where I got an old GMC school bus transmission and I put it in it. Now, y'all, I don't, I don't think anybody in here would understand this, but a few of you older guys, that a school bus transmission doesn't fit in a Chevrolet pickup truck. <laughs> the stick is like up here, you know, and it's got a granny in it like y'all ain't never seen. It makes, it'll make a truck stand up on it. So I had to take a torch and bend the transmission, I mean, the, the handle so it would fit. And I put a Hurst shifter on it, a little knob. And so I got, this, I got this school bus transmission to put it in this truck. And, and then one day, I, I can't remember, I wished, I, I need to write all this stuff down so I can remember it. One day I went by and I don't know, something about a, the motor and I went to look at a motor and a man uh, that rebuilt motors just rebuilt a, the same engine for his truck, another 65. And he said, I did a perfect job on this engine. And he says, but I had another car wreck with a V8. So I put the V8 in my truck and now I, I, I don't, I don't need this. And somehow or another, I got the money and bought that motor and put it over in it. I got a motor that don't smoke, a transmission that came out of a school bus. It was just, y'all don't, y'all don't understand. It start off in third gear. I mean, just first gear, you just, it was like this. Whoa, and that's all there is. You better go to second. Cause that's all there is this thing. So, um, so, so I'm getting this, and so then, then I got new tires and wheels on it, and I mean, within a few months of me just praying, God had completely restored that old 65, had a Chrysler Newport bench seat in it with rolling pleat. Now, if you, I'm this truck, God is fixing up this truck, and, and I'm a new Christian, and you have, I'm going home at every night, and I'm laying in my bed, and I cried myself to sleep. God, you're so good to me. I didn't know I was still poor. <laughs> and I got out of that house and I moved into a mobile home and AC in the living room <laughs> only. A little AC about that big. But we could close the door and we could, we could sit there in front of it. And if you don't understand that, you, you, you don't understand how poor you are. In the summer in Florida, a, a, a mobile home is, is a tin can. They're hot. And uh, we lived there. We were happy. And I moved out, moved into an apartment complex, and God made me the resident manager. And I can't it, it, to tell you how good he was to me. And then, and then because of the resident manager job and being a maintenance man, in one year I was out of debt and bought my first Honda Civic, $3,100 for the car, uh, AM radio, and uh, no AC, not yet. And, and for, me, for me, that was awesome. And I would still go to bed at night and cry myself to sleep. And I'm not going to do it tonight, but one of those nights he took me to heaven. I laid there and just wept. How good you are. 
and he took me to heaven. I stayed in heaven all night. And, and you can't tell people they can't understand that. I wasn't trying to be spiritual. I was just, I was just glad I'm not going to hell. I'm glad all, I don't deserve any of this. About a month before that is when they chased me with dogs in the forest and were going to lock me up and put me in prison. Just a few weeks before I got saved. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I got saved. <laughs> I had a talk. When you chase you with dogs all night, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't feel cool like Cool Hand Luke. You, you, know, you just hope you live. They don't catch you and the dogs don't get you. Amen. But, but that's called an attitude of gratitude. Now, what happens later? Because he hasn't stopped being good. I'm not saying that everything's been great. It hasn't. I've had, I've had problems. I've been through a divorce. That was no fun. Lost job, been kicked out of a church. Had people abandon me, lie about me, stab me in the back. Y'all have had it all happen. But let me tell you something. At some point, you've got to go back and go, well, God ain't left. Jesus didn't leave me. And, and you know what? Then you find out who your friends are. I don't know whether y'all know that or not. You won't know until adversity happens. And you're going to find out you don't have as many as you thought you did. So, so after that, you know, but, but all this time, I'm going to tell you the one thing that's helped me is, is just staying thankful. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And, and, I, and even today, I go to bed and go, thank you for grace. Thank you for the blood. Because I wouldn't, listen, I don't know whether how y'all do it, but if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't be where I am. I'm not that smart. I mean, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something about Paul Youngie Cho. It's really funny. Paul Youngie Cho asked the Lord one day, he says, why, well, I have to say it the way he said, how come you use me so to build great church? And he said, Dr. Cho, it's because you're so stupid. And he said, excuse me, what do you mean by I'm stupid? He said, well, Dr. Cho, everyone else I talk to tries to figure it out. You're just so dumb, you do what I say. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe being dumb might be good. Uh, Heavenly Father, I'm dumb. What do you want me to do today? <laughs> Someone says, Pastor Morgan, you're pretty smart. Not really. <laughs> smart God, live inside. <laughs> um, John 4, 10, just put it on the screen. Um, and we're going to go someplace in a minute. I want you to see this. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, don't, I don't know why, I can't, it's hard to get off this. I don't think that we have ever spent the time on eternal life. You know, Jesus, there's coming a day when we're going to get to walk in Jerusalem and talk to him. And the world's going to be a very, very different world. And, and this is the smartest, wisest man that ever lived or ever will live. And we're going to get to meet him. And when he looks at a woman at the well, and he came as a man. That's it. That's it. I, don't, I don't think that we've thought this through. God took on flesh and sat down with a woman and said to her, if you knew the gift of God. To sit at a well and talk to God. It's amazing. And she had no idea who it was. The disciples had no idea who he is. And many of the people today in the church, you have no earthly idea who he is. Amen. You don't have any idea who he is. Because if you did, you'd be excited all the time. The greater one lives in me. I have a relationship with God. I know God personally. He's my daddy. Your whole life would be different. But you've got to think like this. You've got to learn to think like this. Not get caught up in all the stuff that's happening around you. I want to look at another one here real quick. I want you to go to um, 1 Corinthians 10. 
Let's, let's get on the other side of this just for a minute. I don't want to say we're going to go negative because that's not really true. Um, 1 Corinthians 10. Start with verse 1. Moreover, I don't want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and they all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink and, and they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. <laughs> now, let's think about this for a minute. God goes down to Egypt and he delivers these people with a powerful, mighty demonstration. They came out of Egypt because of the lamb, came up to the Red Sea. God put a fire between them and the enemy so the enemy couldn't get to them and a cloud over their heads so the sun wouldn't scorch them and protected them. And then he congealed, froze the Red Sea. It froze. He split it and it froze solid. And they went over, they went on dry ground and they came over and, and they, they had a, the shout party for a little bit and immediately they started complaining. I know none of you have ever done anything like that. They, they didn't like the water and they started complaining about we ain't got no water. And after they complained about water, they said we ain't got no need. And they complained about Moses and, the, and they, they just, they complained about everything. I want to read this to you because I want you to, I want you to see it. And I want you to walk out of here tonight and go, you know, maybe there's a little bit more to Thanksgiving than we thought. This is really more than a day. This is a life. I, I'm going to say something. I'm going to God hates complaining. He absolutely hates it. I don't know why we feel justified. You sit here, you're born again. He saved you, delivered you, filled you with a Holy Ghost. And you fuss and fight and complain about everything. Man, there's these kids, these neighbors next door to mine, that dog barks all night long. That woman you gave me, God, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know why you gave her to me for you should have given her to someone else. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> and she gets in there and cooks the cornbread and she burned it. She burned it twice. She burned it this weekend. And my God, she don't, that, that, that woman just can't do anything right. Went to the store and forgot the eggs. What in the world do you expect me to eat? Oatmeal every morning? Are you out of your ever-loving mind? You didn't even forgot the eggs. I don't know whether y'all have ever caught yourself, but I have. Complain about this, complain about that, and complain about this. I'm preaching real good. I'm, we're just going to stop right there because we went from hallelujah to woo. But with most of them, Verse 5, God was not well pleased. Their bodies scattered in the wilderness. He said, just leave them laying in the dirt. I'm just so tired of hearing their mouth. <laughs> now, these became our example to the intent that we would not lust after evil things as they lusted. Neither become idolaters as some of them were. As written, the people sat down to eat and rose up to play. Don't let sexual immorality, as some of them did, in one day 20,000 fail. Nor tempt Christ, as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. What do you think God thinks of complaining? He, he hates it. Now, somehow or another, we justify I'm not saying we don't need to talk at times about stuff that's going on. But you know, there's a line there where you're not just talking, you're just griping all the time. You're, you're unhappy. When I see American kids, I, I really want to send them to Haiti for months. Take them to a village in the mountains. Let them drink out of a mud puddle or a bucket or a barrel, I, I, no, that would kill them. An American kid does not have the immune system to do that. So you'd have to get them a, at least a water filter so they didn't die the first two days of diarrhea. They would do it. Well, maybe they should get diarrhea. Maybe they should have a, a few days on the, on the path. 
I got to go to the bathroom. Well, outside. Just don't step in anything else out there. Just, and you can't time take a flashlight because you don't have one. And when you come in and lay in the house at night, the mosquitoes are humming around you. There's no screens. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Come on, folks. We need, to, we need to talk about this stuff. I think sometimes, I think people would come home and you, you hear kids whining because they don't have the latest phone. I'm like, I remember when they dialed. And my sister was on it all the time, and I never got a phone call. It didn't matter anyway. I'm going to tell a story on my sister. Well, I just got back from Athens. Her husband's name's Johnny. When Robin was dating Johnny, she had this 45 called Johnny Angel. Y'all remember the, the, the song? Johnny Angel, how I love you. She played that thing from sunup to sundown. One day, I went in her room and I got it. And I made a Frisbee out of that 45. And I threw it in the woods. And Johnny Angel ended. I got beat, but it was worth the beating because I couldn't stand it anymore. But, but, but I'm good. Johnny and I are good now. But Johnny would give me a quarter I would hide by the, behind the couch by, while Johnny was romancing Robin. The stuff he said embarrassed me. And I'd start laughing. I'm, <laughs> and they'd find out I'm behind the couch, and he'd give me a quarter. Now, y'all don't know this, but you could buy a, a, a Frosty, a, an Icy, and a Butterfinger for 21 cents. Have four cents left over. So he'd send me to the store. If he gave me 25 cents, and I always pestered him until he gave me a quarter, and then I'd go to get me, and then I'd come home and pester him some more. Anyway, I don't know why I told you all that. <laughs> but look at this. Neither complained as some of them complained and were destroyed. These things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There is no temptation overtaking you except his common demand. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Listen, there is no reason, there is no reason on this planet for you and I to live complaining. I'm not saying that we don't have a gripe every once in a while. But I mean, if you listen to people, they, they're upset about everything. You live in the greatest nation in the world and you're upset. You have food, you're upset. You, you sleep in a house with AC and you're upset. And you want to know why your prayers are not getting answered. They're not going to get answered. Thank you. Until you get thankful, you get an attitude of gratitude. Start thinking. You know, why, where did we get this idea that people around us were supposed to be perfect? Where did you get this? Because you're not. Right. I, I, I get real tired of people who come in, and, and I'm going to give you a personal gripe. We're on Wednesday night. And this church isn't good enough for them. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no church good enough for you. Because it's as perfect as you are. <laughs> it's absolutely sickening to get around people with that much arrogance and pride. There ain't, there, I, don't, I don't know anybody that good. I've hung around the big dogs. They act just like y'all. When they're not under the anointing. Now some of them are more mature. Some of them have learned to grow up and be mature. And they do. Mary Fran is mature. She doesn't act childish. Neither does Mark and Trina Hankins. But, you know, but I've been around some, some ministers and they're just normal old people and their churches are just normal old churches full of normal old people. So, so rather than, than spend your life nitpicking everything around you, quit, quit, quit finding fault with everybody you get around and decide that you're the Holy Ghost Police Department. Why don't you just love them anyway and just leave it alone and let God work on them and let them grow up a little bit. And find something good about the people you run around with. Tomorrow, we're going to be having Thanksgiving dinner. I'm going to make a suggestion to you. Put your phone up. Go back the old-fashioned way of carrying on a conversation with people. And enjoy the people that God's put around you. Find the good in them. And, and sit down and, and then do one more thing. Let them do some talking. 
I knew y'all would appreciate that. I said this earlier, Lamentations 3.22, I want you to see this. We're talking about new. That's okay. Though the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. They're new every day. Goodness and mercy. So follow us all the days of our life. If there's no other reason in the world for you and I, absolutely no other reason for you and I to get excited is the fact that his mercies are new every day. You, you don't say, well, yesterday was bad. It was a wash. Tomorrow's a brand new day. Gratitude draws the blessing of Abraham to you. Gratitude draws the favor of God. Gratitude draws it to you. Complaining draws evil spirits to you. You create it. I'm going to tell you a story, and I don't, I don't, I, I'm running out of time here. So, I, I, I love Rick Renner for the simple reason he's just so thinking honest. But he told the story not too long ago in his, in his book, in his daily broadcast, about strife and division. And his family were going someplace on a trip, and they were supposed to be in an airplane, and everybody was lollygagging around, and nobody was in a hurry to get on the plane. And Rick got angry. He got real mad at his wife and the kids. And he chewed them all out. He told me, do you tell you something? Go, away you go. Well, the, the babysitter or, or somebody came over and she brought her dog. Well, her dog saw Rick's dog and then one of the dogs got out and they got in a fight. Now, this is right after he is chewing his family out. He opens the door. The dogs immediately get into a fight, and he decides to break up a dog fight. Well, the dog bit him. Then he, had to, he didn't go on the trip. He had to go to the hospital and get rabies shots. All could have been prevented if he had just been nice. I'm coming over here and preach. I know y'all didn't get any of this. I told Lisa one day, her and I had been having some difficult times. I know none of y'all have. And our finances were going down and our health was going down. And I mean, everything, everything was going wrong. Everything was going wrong. And, and we were at each other all the time. I mean, we were at each other. And I, I walked in the living room one day and I stopped and I says, I want to make a statement to you. It's time to pull up the white flag and make a truce. From this day forward, we will not fight again in Jesus' name. We're creating the hell we're in. We're attracting it. And we decided that no matter whether we liked each other or didn't or agreed or disagreed, we're talking or, or nothing. And it stopped. And our finances changed and our health came back. You, being ungrateful attracts hell. Now, you, I know that may, this is what he's talking about. The snakes in the wilderness and they died in the wilderness. And, and we seem to have this idea it's okay to lose it. Well, it's okay. You can lose it if you want to. But you may, you may find yourself dead in the desert real soon. But now the opposite of this is gratitude. And I think the biggest issue is people or circumstances. You, you gripe about your job. Why don't you thank God you have one? Thank God you have one at all. Thank God you even have a business. Thank God you even have a spouse. Because the one you have, somebody would love to have them. All the imperfections, they would do anything to have somebody at all. The house you live in, there's people that would give anything to have your house. Sleeping in the woods. The food you ate today, 
There's people in Mexico who give anything to have the food you ate today. Just to have that much this food this week. And I think that even though it's, it, it is Thanksgiving and tomorrow we're going to pray the prayer, oh God, we just want to take the time one day this year and say we thank you. We haven't said thank you for the whole year, but at least today we're going to say thank you because well, that's what the day is on Thanksgiving and we're going to say thank you for the mashed potatoes and the, and the food and Jason name, amen. What would it be like if you actually got thankful? Thank you. Thank you, sir, for the blood. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for never leaving me. Staying with me through everything, Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that walk in that door. They don't have to. Thank you for the people who love me. With all my imperfections, they know them and they love me anyway. Thank you. Thank you for the people who support this church. Not only that, but they work in the nursery. They get up and they work and they come in here. Thank you for the people that pray. Thank you. Thank you for the band that comes. Nobody pays them, but they're faithful. Every Sunday they, they get up and, and they get down here early and they come every Thursday night. Heavenly Father, thank you. I think sometimes you, there, we, we need to get back to writing notes and letters to people. I just want to say thank you. Seal it up and mail it. You mean a lot to me. Well, Tom Copeland, my pastor, who, who first, I'll go to Psalm 100, we're going to close. My first pastor, he didn't have to let me, he didn't have to take me in. He didn't have to let me preach. Nobody else on the planet even gave me the time of day. And here's a man, just a normal man, that called me up and asked me to be a youth pastor and let me take his pulpit. And there's times that I just took it and he sat down. That's, that's amazing. But I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. Kenneth E. Hagin, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for that man. Thank God for the men and women of God that God has set before us that are in this planet. Thank God for them. Thank God for my wife. God didn't have to give me that good of a wife. I mean, it's just... You, you all you all know she was never married when we got married. It's a blessing of Abraham. It's blessings of God. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for my kids. Well, mostly. No, I mean that with all my heart. No, I really do. I thank God. Um, Psalm 100, we're going to close with this. I realize it's kind of hard to, to, to hear a traditional sermon because you've got to preach on it. You better preach on a traditional sermon or your name is mud. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know the Lord is God. He made you. You didn't make yourself. You're his people. You're the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful to him. And bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to every generation. I'm going to close with this one story and I, and I think you all appreciate it. There was a, a, a very, very stately, beautiful black woman in Tulsa named Mrs. King. Be beautiful woman. Her husband was a paint contractor in Washington, D.C., and they were very well off. And you could tell when you have a diamond, probably two or three carats in each year, you probably have some money. Okay. She had an afro that stuck out to here. She, just, and she dressed immaculately, just a beautiful woman. And her and I were pretty good friends. You know, she liked, at least liked me. And um, when I was going through my divorce or, or when I found my wife was unfaithful, I didn't eat for 30 days. Now, it's devastating when you come home one day and find your wife. And uh, you're in Bible school and um, I begin to worry. I know none of y'all have ever worried about anything, but I, I begin to worry. 
I got down to 138 pounds. Now that's about 100 pounds less than now. Give or take two or three. I won't tell you which way. And so I walked into school and it was Tuesday and everybody's worshiping the Lord but me. You see, I don't feel very thankful right now. And so I'm standing there staring at the wall. And I have been like this for 30 days. Just, I'm just not happy. I got problems. And Mrs. King, sweet as she could be, walked up to me. She said, baby, what's wrong? And I told her, you know, pity will kill you. And she grabbed me and prayed for me. She said, sweet, that's Tuesday. She said, now we've believed God. I said, yes, we have. I didn't change a lick. Thursday, we're back in Brother Hagin's class. Worship's going on. I'm staring at the wall. I hadn't changed my countenance even a little bit. I'm depressed. Mrs. King walked up to me. She said, what's wrong? I said, well, you know. Now, I don't know whether you've ever had an extra large black woman put her nose on yours. And she stood right there. And she said, I thought we prayed. I said, we did. She said, well, I want you to close your eyes and start worshiping God now. Now, I had this vision of this woman killing me. Because <laughs> fire, that compassion was gone. And fire was coming out of her eyes. Now, I didn't worship God because he was good, but I thought Mrs. King was going to kill me. <laughs> I, I lifted up my hands and started worshiping God. About the time I thought she was going, I opened my eyes. She's still there. I just, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't get an attitude of gratitude quick, but every time I saw Mrs. King, I, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> did God turn it around? He turned it around, guys. He did everything he said he would do. It was tough going through it. I found out if you're going to have an attitude of gratitude, have it when it don't look like it. You get it now. You start acting like the Bible's true. You get, it, you get, happy, about, you get happy about something. Amen? So, anyway, I stole it. You can have it. Um, now you're an accomplice to theft. So, I don't know whether that helps y'all or not, but I want to do something right now because... If, if you want to make one adjustment right now, and I mean, I mean, I'm taking, you get serious about this. Every night when your head hits that pillow, I want you to lay there and thank God for the blood, for eternal life, for, for what he's given you and the Holy Ghost, and you be grateful. I don't care what you're in the middle of. You get, you get happy right now. You get, you get thankful about what you have. Because there's people, there's people who trade with you. Everybody in hell would trade places with you right now. They hadn't had anything to drink since they died. They hadn't had sleep since they died. They haven't had any peace since they died. And you ain't dead. Now, if anybody on this planet ought, ought to have an attitude, it ought to be us. I mean, we ought not wait until Thanksgiving for somebody to come along and go, I think maybe we ought to get thankful right now. So let's start tonight. Let's start right now. Father God, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy on us. I remember the day, I showed him the picture, I remember the day, November 16th, that I walked an aisle and gave my heart to Jesus. I never, I never knew. I never knew. You drew me. You had my mom pray. You had people praying for me. I didn't know that. And yet you prompted them when I was lost 
to pray for me. You saved me. You filled me with the Holy Ghost and you started putting people around me to teach me the Bible. And one year from that day, I was out of debt. Had a far better life than I'd ever had before. No, things weren't easy. But I'll tell you what, they were sure a lot better. It's been over 40 years now, Father. I'm still thankful. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. Every day of my life, there's, like I said earlier, there's people sitting in this room right now, came out on a Thanksgiving Eve to hear the word of God. Thank you. There's people that support this church. Thank you. There's people working right now with the children. Thank you. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for Justin obeying God. Thank you for my children and grandchildren. Thank you. Thank you for my health. There's been several times that they declared me literally right on the edge of being dead. And yet you always raised me back up. You healed me, paid my bills, and set me back on a rock. I didn't do that. You did that. Thank you, sir. Father, no matter what happens to my life, no matter what happens to me, thank you for your goodness. I pray right now that everybody in this room, even though tonight was kind of a low-key night, we walk out of here and go, you know what? I think I walked out with something. I think it's time for me to start being thankful for what I have. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for my family and friends. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.